0: We've been in this teaching series called Neighbors where we've been looking at the first week was the parable of the Good Samaritan in the Gospel of Luke and, and asking really, who is our neighbor? What does it mean to be a good neighbor? And then the sort of more challenging question beyond that is can we really love our neighbors if we do not know them? <laughs> if we do not know them. We know this teaching from from Jesus in the gospel of Luke, love your neighbors as yourselves. And it's that lawyer who asks the, we talked about this the first week, okay, but then who is my neighbor? And Jesus, Jesus uses that parable to sort of redefine what it means to be a neighbor. A neighbor is anyone who has a need, not just someone that's, you know, lives next door. It's not only someone who looks like you, acts like you, thinks like you, social and physical proximity. It's anyone who has a need. And so what does it mean then to love our neighbors as ourselves? And can we do that if we don't really know them? So I've been giving you a challenge each week. That first week it was just walk your street, <laughs> learn the names of your neighbors. Like get to know them. Get to know them. You know, not in a creepy way. Like, right, just, you know, get to know them. See what, see what crops up. This thing is out of whack this morning. See what crops up naturally, right? And then last week, the, it was a challenge of get to know your neighborhood or maybe a different neighborhood and go on a prayer walk. I don't know if anyone's ever done that in their neighborhood before, but pray for the houses you pass and the people you pass. See what opportunities come from that. And then I challenge you to invite me I challenge you to join me as we went to Grace Church because the truth is we are called to be witnesses for Christ and Jesus tells the disciples you're gonna be witnesses for me when the Holy Spirit comes in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth it's everywhere even places like Samaria that we might want to avoid even places like five blocks south Of Churchill Downs when you enter the neighborhood and there's a stop sign that says I wouldn't stop here if I were you Jesus says you're going to be my witnesses even there and that was what I challenged you to do uh, and and join me last week so thank you thank you and again stay tuned we're going to maybe go again we're going to go again because here's the thing the love of God compels us right to be this is what I wanted to show you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The love of God compels us to move beyond our comfort zones and our regular routines, to cross boundaries and borders that might separate us so that we might truly get to know all of our neighbors. And this is really what I wanna challenge us throughout the rest of this series, is what does it mean? You know, we're located here in Louisville, we're located here in J-Town. I know I can look out and I know that we live in lots of different places, some in different counties from Jefferson County, but if we're here and we're, we're t- learning what it means, we're kind of focused in on Louisville, what does it mean to love our neighbors as ourselves right here, to get to know our neighbors right here in Louisville? Because that's the hope, that's the goal, that in knowing them, we might grow to love. And this is, of course, what we talked about last week in 1 John 4, how God's love is perfected in us. That is, God's love is completed through us. God's God's love, God's mission, the the end goal, the telos, the mission of God's love in the world represented by us is completed through the acts of love and mercy and justice and compassion that we show one another. We are God's physical representation of his love at work in the world. That is both a beautiful and scary and challenging thing, right? Right? And so that was sort of first John four we talked about last week. And and we're gonna this is gonna kind of be part two of that. How God's love can be perfected in us. And I'm gonna start again by reading that passage, because it's just so good, y'all. <laughs> I need it posted up places around, around my my house and here in the office. It's it's a good reminder. And I'm gonna start this morning here just by reading for us this passage from 1 John 4. This is verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has, there you go, whoever loves, anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. We are that physical representation of God's love. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his Spirit, and we have seen and, and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Last slide. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So building upon last week, what does it mean for God's love to be perfected in us? This is, these last two verses I'm going to leave up, we're going to reflect on this. You cannot say that you love God and hate your brother. If you love God, then you also, if you abide in God's love, this love's going to overflow, it's going to spill out, and it's going to show up in acts of love and mercy and compassion and justice. For your brothers and sisters, for your neighbors, that is anyone around us who has a need. There's a commentator, Sherry Brown, who says this about these two verses of scripture. She says, our family extends far beyond our kin, to every human being in God's good creation. This is our neighbor. This is to be a brother and sister. She says this. We, that's kind of small. Okay, that's all right. We must therefore challenge ourselves to push beyond our comfort zones to do new things. This indeed is how we love as Christ loved and as God loves us. Sacrifice can be life and limb, and when it is, it should be honored as such, but it doesn't have to be. Every time we step beyond where we'd rather be, what we'd rather do, into what might embarrass or negatively impact us in order to share God's love, we answer this call. This is our summons. God is love. Be bold. Don't fear. Share yourself. Do love. This is what will sustain us in unity, strength, and the abiding love of God. What does it mean to love our neighbors as ourselves to step outside of our comfort zones to try new things to do new things i love that part because god is love and god's love abides in us we can be bold we don't have to fear we can we can be bold we can do love we can share ourselves and so i'm going to invite now a special guest who's here with us this morning who i've gotten to know over the past couple years of being here because You might recognize her yourself as being related to some folks here in our church. And I think she has a powerful story to share about how she has learned how to be bold with her life, to do love, to have sort of no fear because perfect love can cast out this kind of fear. Uh, And I just would love for her to share with you this morning. So I'm going to invite up now uh, Lauren Maddox. Join me. All might recognize her. She is the daughter of Kendall and Janet Spaulding. Yeah, (laughs) we claim her. That's right. That's right. Okay, so welcome. We're going to do just a little uh, short interview here. I'd love for people to get to know you. So if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and where you live.
1: Awesome. Well, I guess my only identity here is that I'm Janet and Kendall's daughter. I am Lauren Maddox and my husband Blake Maddox is over there and we live in the Shelby Park neighborhood downtown um, and actually in just a few weeks I'll be celebrating my 14th anniversary as a neighbor down there so um, a little bit about me I was raised in the Methodist Church and um, primarily grew up at St. John um, out in Prospect um, and spent my entire childhood out in Oldham County um, which we all know is a very wealthy land um, and so I was raised there um, but from a very early age I think the Lord really pricked my heart um, to ask tough questions and um, and I think that that's good and right for a believer is to ask him hard questions um, and one of the things I love about being raised in the Methodist Church is just that traditionally I mean in other people here can relate is that every single Sunday we recited the Lord's Prayer together so the hard question that I started to ask at our early age was if we are saying the Lord's Prayer if we believe in the Lord's Prayer Jesus is telling us to pray this way and he says thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and then flash forward we know what heaven's gonna be like people of all nations all tribes all tongues all socio-economic levels are inhabiting the kingdom of God and we're standing unified side-by-side side, and we're asking God to teach us to live that out here on earth then why isn't my surroundings looking like heaven why isn't my church looking like heaven um, and I say that just meaning because um, In Kentucky, of course, uh, we have one of the most segregated times in the United States, which is on Sundays, and so why on earth, this was the question that started ringing in my little child's heart, why on earth is it not like in heaven? And there's a gap that we're called to fill, and so flash forward, I um, was pretty insistent growing up on just continuing to go into the inner city and to be around people that didn't look like me and didn't act like me. And um, he really captivated my heart, um, especially in high school um, because I had a really great youth pastor who was heavily involved in the inner city and invited me along to do things with him. And um, and yeah, I just knew that the Lord wanted me to press in into spaces that weren't pretty and, um, and weren't comfortable and weren't easy. And so um, yeah, I'll be, celebrating 14 years in Shelby Park, um, and it seemed to me like a very natural move, uh, but it seemed to a lot of other people like the biggest mistake I could have ever made. <laughs> yeah,
0: so. Can you? do you mind if you share a little bit more of like what was the move like, and you were passionate, you knew, like Shelby Park, we're gonna move down there. Yeah. Um, what What did other people in your life, what, what were they saying? Oh yeah,
1: got big, big, big pushback on um, I was 23 years old and I bought my first house in Shelby Park. And, um, and one of the biggest, there's two things that really stick out in my head. Um, previously I had been living in Germantown, um, which, is all, which is a huge happening place now. Um, and literally it was four blocks away from where my current house is, where I'm living right now. But it was a, across the tracks. So you have to go across railroad tracks to get there. And that boundary was just, it might as well have been the Berlin Wall. And um, because people, everybody's like, "Do not go across the tracks." And I will—I'm going to step back for a second. When I was in high school, there's a huge stigma in Oldham County, especially. And I'm not—I'm not trying to poke fingers or you know point fingers at anybody. um, But the culture that I grew up in, there's a huge stigma from believers about the West End of Louisville. And don't go to the West End, Lauren, like you will be killed in the West End. Really bad things will happen to you in the West End. And I'm probably, I don't even know if my parents know this, but once I got my car, when I was 16, first place I drove was to the West End and without asking permission. So, um, because it's like when everybody is saying, don't go there, well, why? I think we have to ask why. Why not go there just because so just because somebody in this whole group of people is saying don't go there have they been there do they know the people why because jesus said go there like jesus said cross the tracks and so i think it's a really important question to ask like well why am i not supposed to do xyz i mean jesus told us to break the rules a little bit and um and so when i was told don't go across the tracks I was like why so I walked across the tracks (laughs) and I was like all the things that people are saying don't do is not that bad and so it was fear that kept people away from the other side of the tracks Um, it wasn't faith that kept people on this side of the tracks it was fear that kept people on the side of the tracks so that was that was item number one we had this big border with crossing the tracks Um, so I walked across the tracks and then I found my house and I bought it and um, and there's multiple boundaries like that across Louisville Um, if you are willing to get in your car and drive around like you'll see what I'm talking about you probably already know what I'm talking about Um, if you're brave enough get out of your car and walk around for a little bit and see what I'm talking about but it's like there's another boundary not far from our house called the Ninth Street divide and that I cross every morning to take my kids to school. And um, and it, across 9th Street is a really robust neighborhood of really wonderful people who, a lot of them, are believers, multi-generational believers that have been doing God's work, the kingdom of God work across 9th Street. But there's a big stigma about even crossing 9th Street. Mm-hmm. so Which, yeah. that's another boundary if you're. The second um, thing that I got from people was you surely, are going to be surrounded by people who are bad, like all caps, bad. And in fact, somebody in my life took me out to dinner and lured me with a free meal, and then <laughs> sat down and said, well, I really wanted to bring you here because, and then they slapped down a probably an inch and a half thick file of the background checks of every sex offender surrounding the house that I had just bought. Wow. And, um, wow. and so, but you know what, like, yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a big thing. That was a, that was a big thing. And yeah, I was going to go to a place where I was going to be surrounded by bad people who have done, quote, bad things. But in the kingdom of God, there is no difference between me and my neighbor. And his forgiveness turns these ideas of these boundaries upside down and makes no sense. Of the cultural standards that we apply to certain people groups and so I mean that was a that was a heavy that was a really heavy time I remember when I first bought my house um, a lot of people saying that they would never ever ever come visit me um, that they could never um, participate in bringing their children around me if I was going to be in that area and and you know what okay Jesus says, "If you love your father or your mother or your sister or your brother or your friend or your coworker or whoever more than me, you are not worthy of the kingdom of God." And so, stay put. So, you went.
0: so you've yeah. been there 14 years. 14 years in Shelby Park. Yeah. Tell share what you love about your neighborhood.
1: Um, I love first and foremost the diversity in my neighborhood. Um, I love deeply, deeply love my neighbors. And that has come through just being there in the same spot for 14 years, walking my dog, who was 14, (laughs) on the same paths um, every day. And um, I've seen a lot of neighbors come and go. Um, But what I love about my neighbors is that they are the image of God. I see them now. God has grown within me to be able to see people and to see myself and say, you are obsessively loved by the Creator of this universe, and um, and that wouldn't have grown up in me so much, that conviction so deeply, if I hadn't stuck with people who really I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you know when you have conversations with you know somebody that you're comfortable with in a coffee shop where it's safe and insulated and comfortable versus when you're having a conversation with a woman about how she deserves to be treated after she's just spent a night selling her body you're going to have a different conversation with god eventually and um and so i think my number one thing is that i love about my neighborhood is just the people who inhabit that space there and that i'm lucky enough to live life alongside of Um, I mean, I also, I also love, I've grown to love how cl- physically close we are together. Um, I think we had it really lucky, especially, I mean, this is pretty random, but we had it pretty lucky during the pandemic that we weren't really isolated, mm-hmm. that our front porches were six feet apart, you know? Yeah. like, And so we could sit on our front porch and still, you know, we were forced essentially to commune with our neighbors and, and to um, bear one another's burdens, I mean, on a very practical level. Yeah. so um yeah, i love how physically close i am to people and i lo- i just love the diversity yeah
0: yeah mm-hmm. you sort of already answered this but just mm-hmm. as a final question like what do you think it means to be a good neighbor
1: um i to be a good neighbor um guys hear me when i say this proximity is power and um when we are told to stay on one side of the tracks and we're just gonna go with that um then we are inhibited in ourselves and as believers, and we are inhibiting the kingdom of God. Um, I think to be a good neighbor um, is really a litmus test of where we stand in proximity with Jesus. Mm. And I think if we think about it, we have to pull things back to their very root. Jesus created us. God the Father created us, all of us, and looked at us and said, You are good. So when you move into a town where there's a bunch of bad people, God created them, looked at them, and said, You are good. And he is pursuing them with a wild love that does not make sense to us. It does not make sense to the natural human being because God is supernatural. Now also, we have to remember what God says about us. God says, I love you, and I am with you. We have the only religion in the world that our God came to us. And uh, John 1 says, the word of God was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. I love what the message says. It says, the Word of God was made flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. It's
0: moved into the neighborhood.
1: Like he is the essence of being a good neighbor. And so if we believe that we are indwelled with the Spirit of God, which Romans 8.11 says, that we are indwelled with the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, then there is no boundary that can hold us back. <laughs> like the boundaries that we create with our neighbor, the grumbling sometimes that we engage with when we are around people that we don't like or that we don't agree with politically, maybe, you know, the things that we do to grumble against the people of God is revealing that we're grumbling against God himself. Hmm. And we don't believe the boundlessness of the power that is within us. So if we believe in the resurrecting power that is dwelling within us, also that we are the temple of God. We have to remember that the temple curtain was torn in two, top to bottom, ushering in everybody. And so we are walking around this planet, temples of the great high king, with a power within us that we do not understand, that defies our understanding and our imaginations. So the peace that passes all understanding is ours all of these things that we don't understand is for us because we are not natural when we are in the kingdom of God we are supernatural so when we make little molehills that we trip over by we can't go over the tracks, that's a molehill that is not for us as believers, that's ludicrous we cannot trip over molehills when we are called to move mountains Hmm. like our faith is much bigger than the boundaries we lay based off of our fear. And so I think being a good neighbor, we have to remember first who God is, what he says about us, and we believe what he says about us by projecting that out onto others. We will always project out onto others what we believe is fundamentally right and true. And so if we believe that condemnation can be spoken out onto others, then basically we're saying we are condemned. Mm. But if we agree with what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and he says there is no more condemnation, then what we project out onto others is a unity that looks like the kingdom kingdom. of God. Mm. And so thy will be done on earth here as as it is in heaven. We have to stand in the gap. We cannot follow our culture that says don't do this or don't do that. I'm telling you the only person who ever has drawn a line perfectly was Jesus Christ himself and he told everybody else to cast their stones aside. So I think your original question is, can we be a, can, can we be a good neighbor without knowing our neighbors? On the one hand, sure, we can go serve people that we don't know. On the other hand, we are called to this intimacy with our fellow human beings, to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. Romans 12 tells us to outdo one another in showing honor. And we have to be vulnerable enough and brave enough to even cross the boundaries to our next door neighbor to go into their front yard and maybe even creepily sometimes be like, <laughs> hey, I noticed you look sad, what's up? <laughs> you know, like, and yeah. so, and just to get in people's space. And it will be uncomfortable, but we're not called to comfort. We're called to holiness, and we're called to reflect his holiness here, and we're called to tell people, you have been created holy, and you are loved beyond your wildest imaginations. And so when we are inhabited by the love of Christ, then we become a boundless people, and these little boundaries of train tracks, of a ninth street, or whatever else is nothing, is absolutely nothing we step over those molehills and then we go on to breaking down the barriers of the big mountains
0: the love of god compels us and it's a love that god is one who breaks down barriers and dividing walls between people that say everybody who, who calls on the name of the lord who accepts jesus christ who joins this family the I, I like to say, they've heard me say it before, the foot is level at the, sorry, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Yeah. Lauren, thank you so much yeah. for sharing. Give me, uh, show Thanks our appreciation for, for Lauren. Yes. Ah, thank you. Thank
1: you, thank
0: you. I'm going to I'm tangled up in you. There you go. We cannot say we love God and hate our brother. We cannot say we love God and allow fear maybe to hold us back from certain places or certain people or engaging and showing up because perfect love casts out fear. And this is the kind of love that's from God. And so your, your challenge this week is this. This is your challenge. Keep doing the other things too. These are building upon each other. Get to know your neighbors. Get to know the people that you live closest to get to know their names. Can we really love our neighbor if we don't know them? I, I've been arguing no. We've got to know their stories. We've got to know their struggles. We've got to know their pain. We've got to know their need. I don't know if we can really love them how God calls us to see them and honor them and love them unless we really know them. Go on a prayer walk, right? Go somewhere that's outside your comfort zone, like Lauren Lauren shared, crossing some of these divides that our city and our culture have put in place. And then your challenge after this week is this, start asking why. Why are things in our city maybe the way that they are? What does God have to say in response to that? Lauren talked about how that was a nagging question that she had in her heart as a young child. I'll be honest, I didn't start asking why, until just a few years ago what is the Ninth Street divide why do we have it I remember hearing the same thing growing up here in Middletown never go past Ninth Street and it wasn't until a few weeks or a few years ago in my life that I started asking but why why did our city develop the way that it did why why is West Louisville predominantly black why are the rates of crime and poverty higher there why did it develop the way that it did? And, and it was through that asking just why that in the last few years, I, I've started to learn more of the history and more of the story. And decades and decades of how our city grew and developed. And lots of, lots of actions and decisions that were made born out of the sins of racism and fear and hate, friends are still impacting our city today. And so your challenge this week is to, is to ask why but then to also start listening and learning some of this history. Because I believe we can't bridge some of these gaps with the love of Christ unless we know it. Right? Like if we're going to know where we're going, we have to, you've heard people say this, in order to know where we're going, we have to know where we've been. You You have to know the story, I think, to really meet the challenges and the needs of the day. I had hoped that I was also going to invite you to an exhibit at the Fraser Museum uh, called West of Ninth. I know some of you all went. It was it was out for a year, and it closed on Labor Day. And I, I was hoping to invite you <laughs> to go and join that with me. So I caught it on Labor Day. <laughs> I, I looked it up on Sunday, and I realized the exhibit, the last day, was the next day. And so Matt and I went uh, during you know that Labor Day and, and got to... I learned a whole lot that day of just the nine neighborhoods that that make up West Louisville uh, and why our city maybe is the way that it is. Uh, a, A long history of housing discrimination, to be honest. Things I didn't know, ordinances all the way back from 1914 that didn't allow black people to buy in a predominantly white neighborhood and vice versa. That was 1914. It was overturned in 1917 by the US Supreme Court but in just that period of three years, a lot of the damage had already been done, and, and some folks didn't have the wealth to move into some of the other predominantly white neighborhoods. And I, um, this is what I wanted: to, why? Okay, so it was a prohibited African Americans from purchasing property on blocks with majority white people in order to prevent a quote loss of property value and quote discomfort for the white residents. There was a history of redlining of course right here in Louisville and I just want to brief you show you this map uh, of the home uh, created the homeowners loan corporation uh, that took comprehensive real estate surveys of over 200 US cities including Louisville and they used a color-coded method to rate different neighborhoods outlining where it would be safe to insure mortgages so if you lived in a blue or green area, those were rated as A and B. Those were safe for mortgages. If you lived in a C or D-ranked neighborhood, that's in the yellow or red. You could not get, it was not as easy to get a mortgage there. And if you look, it happened to be A and B were neighborhoods that were predominantly white, and C and D were predominantly black, Jewish, or other minorities. And they were given the lowest rating. This kept the neighborhood segregated at the time, and if you look, this is, this is Louisville. Um, it's, it's still impacted the way our city has developed today. There was the Housing Act of 1949, which from that came urban renewal, which basically said if you look at a block or a neighborhood and you can call it a slum, the city had permission to, to level it. to to move people out, to to provide public housing, um, but for for something new. Um, And, and, you know, you got to have a good purpose if you're going to take and displace people like that. So the purpose became to protect the city from slums. And in some areas, it might have been not really great situation in housing. It might have been justified, but in a lot of areas, it was used to displace communities of color. And from urban renewal came what Lauren shared as the 9th Street divide. The new exit, you know, widening that road, the exits off the interstate, to now there's a geographical divide in our city with the Watterson and with 64 and 9th Street, right? But it's not just a physical distance, it's, it's a mental separation as well, separating the black communities from the rest of the urban center. I listened to a lot of stories from folks that live in one of the nine neighborhoods in West Louisville, and they will tell you they feel that mental divide as well, that they are separated now from kind of even the rest of the city. Most notably what came out of um, urban renewal here in the city of Louisville would have been the story of Walnut Street. Has anyone heard this old Walnut Street? By the end of the sixties, Um, several blocks, it's now called Muhammad Ali Boulevard, but that used to be Walnut Street. It was several blocks wide, two, two or three blocks wide and several blocks long, over 154 black owned businesses and theaters and restaurants and shops, a thriving black middle class. And by the end of the 60s, it was mostly leveled, all for the sake of urban renewal. So here's Muhammad Ali Boulevard, Walnut Street on the right, what is now known as Muhammad Ali Boulevard today. The mayor of Louisville, uh, Mayor Charles Farnsley was quoted. He was our mayor from 1948 to 1953, which would have been about the beginning of this housing act that became what's known as urban renewal. He said this was really a cruel thing. Their motive was to drive back African-Americans from the central area. That way downtown wouldn't become a black belt, he said. It was a cruel thing, and it said it almost always tore down the homes of black people or poor people. Friends, I don't share this with you to just ultimately depress us. I think there's a word of hope in here for for people of Christ who are called to love our neighbor as ourselves, who live in Louisville, right? There's a word of hope here for the kingdom of God, this love that compels us to ask why, to know the stories, and to learn how to grow, to be perfected in this kind of love that calls us sort of outside of our comfort zones and the divisions that separate us. And so in the house group curriculum, as well as posted online on our website and in our app, I have just a list of resources for you this week to learn some of the history, to hear some of the stories. There's an awesome blog called West of Ninth, that developed into that whole exhibit at Fraser Museum. And it's a couple, a young couple, who lives in the Russell neighborhood in West Louisville, and they've spent the last five years going around and interviewing and photographing over 500 people that live live in West Louisville, and telling some of the good stories that are happening there. Telling some of the life-giving things of, of why they live there, of why they chose to stay, of what they love about their neighborhood, they are beautiful, wonderful stories that we just don't always hear about sort of in mainstream media, right? So I have that listed as your resources as well. A couple of different videos to learn some of this history, to, to start asking that question why, so that we might grow in this kind of love that can, that can compel us to cross some of these barriers. Because here's the logistical truth. While maybe someone here today is feeling called to up and move, <laughs> I know that's not something everybody can do. Some of us could. Some of us might feel that prick of the Holy Spirit to do that, but not all of Louisville can move to West Louisville, right? But we can be perfected in this kind of love by where we choose to go, what we choose to do, who we choose to engage engage with, and how we choose to love. And I want you to hear that challenge this morning. Join me in just simply asking the question why and sifting through some of these resources with me. And if you need a conversation partner, if you have questions, if you have concerns, I am always here. I would love to talk to you about these things. And I know several others here today feel the same way. Do you hear the challenge? Yes. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are and for how you are at work in our lives, in our hearts, in our church, and in our city. God, we thank you for your just all-encompassing, all-powerful love that, that is wild, that is, that is hard to comprehend, hard to tame, hard to hard to understand. Would you help us catch that spirit this morning? Would you help us see our neighbors in every different shape and size and socioeconomic status? Would you help them? Would you help us see them? as children of God created in your image and people of worth, deserving of our time, our respect, and our compassion, and our love. Challenge us, O oh God, we ask boldly and trembling this morning. And may we know that your spirit goes before us and with us in all that we do. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.